Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.co.uk. This is Internet Marketing, and today it's another one of Kelvin's brain dumps. This time it's keyword research. Enjoy. My name's Kelvin Newman. Um, this is the Internet Marketing Podcast. Today I'm going to be talking to you about keyword research. Now, when you get down to the nitty gritty of paid search and natural search, essentially what you've got is someone somewhere typing into a search box something they're interested in learning about buying, or just being more informed about as a topic. Now, the process of understanding what those people are looking for, why they're interested in it, and what you can do as a business to respond to that is keyword research. So it's kind of understanding these patterns and the relative volume of those phrases that people are using in the search engines. Now, a couple of important things to note at this stage is I talk about someone typing into the search box. That's not the only way that someone would make a search query. It's not the only way in which, you know, a keyword could be triggered. Now, increasingly, people are using voice search, right? So they're speaking into their phone to make the search. That can have quite an interesting and different effect on the types of words and phrases people use. But there's other ways in which keyword searches can be triggered without someone typing. When you scroll down to the bottom of a page on Google... And I'll talk about Google, although all the search engines work in the same way in this kind of instance. When you scroll down to the bottom of the page, you often get suggestions of other words or phrases that Google think might help you refine your search query. There are also ones that can end up being search queries without the person typing into the search result. Now, regardless of how they get there, thinking about the words people use is hugely powerful. Now, if we imagine a kind of user journey, a user search journey, Now, I'm simplifying things here slightly. You have to bear in mind that actually the reality is that search isn't a discipline that happens in a silo. When someone chooses to buy your product or service, they don't only have, you know, they don't only interact with you using a search engine. There will be other channels involved, but we're going to simplify it just as a search journey here today. The first thing that someone might do is start with a very generic search query. So let's maybe go, I don't know, cameras as an example. And they might immediately go, oh, that's too broad and then refine that down to digital cameras. And then maybe as they start to browse around and understand more about what their budget gets them, they might make a search query for something like eight megapixel cameras or 20 megapixel cameras or some kind of refinement around a feature of a product. Then maybe imagine a fourth visit here, they've 
been around a variety of websites. They've started to get a sense of the particular product that they want. They might then search for that particular product brand name. So maybe like Nikon Coolpix 784921 or whatever it is. Now, if you imagine those different stages that people have gone through, there's some interesting patterns in those types of query. So the initial phrases that we were talking about, the very generic ones, they tend to have much higher search volume. So more people are searching for digital cameras than eight megapixel camera, right? Um, because they're more common, they're more generic, but they're more common. So more people are searching for them. But there's an interesting reverse to that as well. So while far more people are searching for those generic phrases, what you will find is that they're far less likely to convert. So the people who are making those searches, that are the generic ones, perhaps research phrases, there's lots of those people making those searches, but they tend to be less further along the buying cycle. So therefore, as a percentage of people, they're less likely to convert. Now that understanding is kind of so key to all aspects of paid and natural search because you need to find this balance. Do I go where the volume is, although the conversion rates might be lower, or do I go where the volume might be low, but the likelihood of conversion's high? The reality is you'll probably do a combination of the two, but whenever you're thinking about how much you should invest from a paid search perspective, or indeed how much content you should develop from a natural search perspective, you always need to be thinking about this balance. The more specific the phrase is, the more likely people tend to be to convert, the more generic it is, the much larger audience, but often far less frequently likely to convert. And this kind of follows through into this kind of pattern of behavior, which is known as the long tail. Now the long tail is a concept that's been around for a number of years. It was popularized, I think maybe even invented by Chris Anderson, um, formerly editor of Wired. Now he talked about the long tail in a different context. So I'll explain that. Um, and then I'll show how that applies to you know, keyword research. So the long tail, as Chris Anderson used to explain it, um, was typically around businesses like Amazon or Netflix. So if you imagine for Amazon, um, for their books category, their big top sellers in that category will inevitably sell very well. They'll sell maybe millions of copies of a particular popular novel, for example. Now, your instinct might be that these big sellers, those really popular ones, actually contribute significantly to those businesses. And they do. But the reality is for a business like Amazon and how that's different from a you know, physical store is they've almost got infinite inventory. So in a normal store, you've only got so much space you can use, right? So you have to stock the most popular books because that's the, the best likelihood you've got of making a sale. However, when you've effectively got in, you know, infinite inventory or near infinite inventory, a different pattern starts to emerge. So those books which perhaps individually are less popular do sell, right? But there's lots of them. So a book that might sell 100 copies probably individually doesn't make, well, definitely individually, doesn't make a huge contribution. But the thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of books selling 100 apiece do make a significant aggregate contribution. So these long tail books in this example have a big impact and in fact actually the pattern seems to suggest that in most cases this long tail actually in aggregate contributes more than the hits, the breakouts, which is sometimes known as the fat head. Now why does this apply to keyword research? Because that pattern happens in keyword research as well. So to go back to the camera example, the digital cameras, far more people will search for digital cameras than the particular 
brand and you know product ID of a camera. But of all the cameras on the market with all of their IDs, that will almost certainly add up to more than the people searching for just digital cameras. So that's a really important pattern around the behavior of how people search that you need to understand, particularly in paid search because you want to put these keywords in your campaign. And also from a natural search perspective, you need to be thinking about what do I prioritize and how do I find the balance between paid search and natural search? So do I go to the long tail where competition will be low, conversions will be high, but volume will be low? Or do I go for those competitive terms, the the head terms where volume will be high, competition will be high, but conversions will be low. However, the volume is so significant that sometimes even though the conversions are low, it might add up to more. And therein lies the challenge of keyword research. That's the rub. How do we make these decisions that we want to make about what we target, what we don't actively target and what we exclude? And that's the fun of it, right? Making these decisions about what's going to work well. Because the reality is that longer phrases tend to convert better, right? These longer tail phrases, as we talked about with that search journey, the more specific the phrase becomes, the greater the likelihood is that the person who's making that search query knows what they want to buy. They're more likely to be about to hit that buy button or that, you know, contact form. You know, the more certain they are of what they want, the easier it is for you to convince them to buy it from you. So how do you go about choosing some of these keywords? Well, the reality is, in most cases, if you're working agency side, the brief's going to have a big part to play. And that brief might come, if you're in-house, from your boss, right? If you're considering thinking about doing SEO, there's probably someone somewhere who's prompted you to go, or why aren't we ranking for this phrase? Or why aren't we getting paid search traffic for this phrase? And even if you're you're your own boss, you'll have this kind of brief. What are the keywords that you feel ought to be the ones that you're targeting? Now, I'll take you through in a second some of the processes you can use to determine if they're the right keywords. Because just because a keyword instinctively feels like it's one you'd want to target doesn't mean it always is. Often, the key phrases that are the most obvious aren't going to be those that have the biggest bang for their buck, the ones that are going to have the impact where the competition is low, but the opportunity is high. The pages you have on your website and the existing content are also a very good prompt for the keywords you might want to target. So if you've already decided that something is important enough to you as a business to create a page about it on your website, that's a really good place to start as well. The current keywords that are sending you traffic are really good as a prompt additionally as well. So if you can go into your Google Analytics account or whichever analytics package you use and spend some time looking into the keywords that are currently sending you traffic, that's a good place to start as well. It's much easier to improve the ranking of a keyword that's already doing well than target a keyword completely from scratch. So look to those keywords that are already sending you traffic. Now, unfortunately, the data that we get in Google Analytics is much, you know, not as rich as it was even a few years ago because of not provided. So many of the people coming through to your website, you don't know the keyword they came through on. That doesn't mean you shouldn't look in Google Analytics, but it doesn't mean the value of that data has decreased slightly over the last few years. The good news is, is that there is other places you can get that type of data. So Google Webmaster Tools, which is now known as the Search Console, but if you search for Google Webmaster Tools or Search Console, you'll be able to find it. So if you've verified your ownership of your website with Google, they'll tell you which keywords they think you're ranking for. Now, this is never perfect, the data they get there, but that plus your analytics plus some of the other data points we're going to talk about will give you a starting point for your keyword research. It won't give you all of your keyword research, but it'll be a great sort of seed list. 
And also you can look at your competitors as well. So in a future podcast episode, I'm going to talk to you about how you would edit your website to better reflect your keywords. Now, if you understand the changes that you might make to your website in order to better target keywords, that also equips you amazingly well to reverse engineer you know, the, the approach that your competitors are taking. So if you know, oh, I'd change that if I wanted to target that keyword, you can go and look at that thing that you might want to change on your website, look at your competitors and say, oh, they're targeting that word or phrase. Now, just because they're targeting it doesn't mean it's a great one to go after, but it's another, you know, reference point. It's another inspiration for the keyword research process that you're going to want to go through. Now, I'll take you through some tools in a second But when you do get your keywords, you do really need to prioritize them. You need to group them as well, because often these are large lists. And actually, it's often easier to think about the people making the search. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Searches rather than the queries themselves. So we need to understand how many people are searching for the term, how competitive it is, and that competitiveness is different between paid search and um, natural search. So in PPC, it's probably the cost. Um, In SEO, it's probably the amount of effort, the work that's required to get there. You also want to understand the the seasonal variations and the cyclical variations in your search term. You know, you, you don't want to spend a lot of time and money, particularly from a natural search perspective, investing in ranking for a keyword or key phrase where actually there's a general overall decline in the number of people that are, you know, making that search query. And as I said, thinking about audiences, the type of people making these search queries, the behavior that they've got, the intent they've got, and grouping them accordingly can make it much more actionable. Because you end up with a list of keywords that are ones that you want to target. From a paid search perspective, just bung them in your account, right? Because, you know, you, you can never really have too much of an issue with having too many keywords in your paid search account, providing you can afford the budget that's associated with them. But in paid search and natural search, you're going to get much better results if you can group them into behaviors to people. Because ultimately, what you want to be doing is writing content that appeals to that audience and reflects that keyword. Now, once you end up with thousands of keywords, it's just not feasible to kind of reflect all of those 
in a kind of systematic mechanical way a much better way of doing that is you know briefing writers to understand that person what they're interested in and then naturally the keyword optimization cascades out of that now there's lots of different keyword tools out there which give you information about the keywords you might want to target some of them are paid for others are free now some of the pay tools do offer some interesting functionality but I think for most people, the free tool, um, one of the free tools is the best. So that is the Google Keyword Planner tool. Now, it's not completely free in the sense that you have to have a Google AdWords account, which means you have to have a credit card, but you never need to have spent any money on that credit card in order to get access to the tool. So you need to create the account, but never you could set one never live, never run any paid search, and you still have access to the Keyword Planner tool. Now... What the Keyword Planner tool does is it has a couple of different ways in which you can start off the process for getting keyword ideas. Now, there's three main ways you can start that research process. One is that you there's an open text field where you can put in one, two, a dozen keyword ideas and Google will bring back suggestions of related key phrases that they think are similar to those. That tends to be the one I use most frequently. Um, because I start with my seed list, that it helps me expand that list and then I filter the suggestions that come back. But another good option is the one where you're able to put in a page or a website and Google will give you back suggestions of keywords or phrases that they think are relevant to that particular page. So that can be hugely powerful. You can do it for yourself and check individual pages or you can do it for your competitors to see which keywords they appear to be targeting. There's also a third option, which is a kind of a category navigation system. So you can say, I want clothing, apparel, men's apparel, and it'll give you suggestions there. In certain circumstances, that can be very powerful, but I tend to find that actually, unless you very comfortably fit within those categories which are there, it actually can do more harm than good. So what this does is it outputs a tool that gives you information like how many people are searching on a monthly basis, what the level of competition is, from a paid search perspective, how much you would need to bid in order to get visibility on that word or phrase. So this is hugely powerful as a research tool, both for paid search and natural search. I can then get suggestions of words or phrases which people might want to target. Having said all this, the tool is only a tool. Some of the best ideas will come from where you use that tool to inform creativity, right? So it's the person. So there's a long-standing joke that I make when I'm training about this, where I say the best keyword research tool is your head, your brain. Never forget that. But another quite mechanical tool that I do recommend really highly is Google Trends and their keyword search trends within that. So that allows you to put in one or two words or phrases um, and compare them and see the seasonal variation in demand. So it uses a normalized scale. So the keyword planner gives you an absolute scale. So say 500 people search for this, even though that number is sometimes a little bit flaky. But what Google Trends does, it gives you a score out of 100. So the most search for a month would be 100. Then it shows you relative to that 100. So you can't get a sense of absolute volume from trends, but you can get a sense of relative volume from trends. And what you'll find is that your business will almost certainly have some kind of seasonal variation in there. It might be obvious, right? So if I had to say to you, you know, which month of the year do you think would be most popular for gym membership? Right, you'd probably go with January, right? No surprises there. That is the most popular month. But what you might surprise you is that actually the rest of the year isn't fairly even. You might think that, oh, it's the big peak in January and then the rest of the year is even. No, some real spiky, lumpy variation. So on gym membership, there's a big peak in sort of this 
end of August, beginning of September, sort of back to school period here in the UK, there's a big peak there, right? So that's interesting for me as a person who does that. And sometimes they're completely random or seemingly random. And what you want is to find these seemingly random patterns, understand the motivation behind them, then reflect that in your marketing. So one that's a really good example that I've stolen, this database out on Hitwise, that's where it originally came from, but you can also find it using Google Trends, is to search for contact lenses. Now, contact lenses might feel like there's a fairly even spread there. Now, I've asked this question quite a lot to you know people when I'm delivering training. Which month of the year do they think would be most popular? And typically, you get kind of three types of answer. So you might get one that says January, New Year's resolution, new look, all of that type of thing. You know, a bit like the gym membership motivation. Now, some other people say, particularly those who are wearing glasses, actually, uh, will say maybe it's kind of, you know, is it the you know, November as the nights get darker, it gets colder, you have steamed up glasses, that might be one. Um, and sometimes people say, um, and this is probably one that actually comes up most frequently, is summer, right? So it's around... Um, sport, sunglasses, you know, all of that type of thing. So it's kind of, oh, I don't want to wear my glasses, so therefore I'm going to get contact lenses. Now that doesn't seem to be the case. The peak is in October and it's a very pronounced peak as well. And that peak seems to be, if you look at other keywords that are related, to be partially motivated by rises in people searching for coloured contact lenses. And that would seem to be because of Halloween. So... It's not just people searching for Halloween contact lenses that causes this peak, but certainly that's part of the pattern. So that's what we want to be looking for using a tool like Google Trends. So we want to use a tool like Keyword Planner to cover off all of the variations that we want to. But for those particular phrases, the ones that are kind of central to our business, you really want to understand your customers, right? So we've talked about this in previous podcast episodes. Search is twofold, right? You've got to understand the search engines, But actually, I think more time should be spent on understanding the people who use search engines. A tool like Google Trends can be incredibly powerful in that as well. So I want to finish up this section on keyword research, this, you know, kind of episode about keyword research by sharing a couple of other tools that I thoroughly recommend. Um, One of those is Ubersuggest. So what Ubersuggest allows you to do is take inspiration for your keywords from the suggestions that Google makes. So as you start typing in Google, you get these suggested search phrases that you might want to look for. Ubersuggest is particularly powerful at taking them and kind of helping you extrapolate those and then export them to an Excel spreadsheet. So if you imagine you're searching for digital marketing agency, or sorry, digital marketing, you might get suggestions like agency, analyst, job strategy, that type of thing popping up. But if you imagine then you start going digital marketing agency, then you press the space bar, then press the letter A, you then get suggestions of ones where the word following would begin with the letter A, don't you, on Google? So what Uber suggests is it does that for all of the letters of the alphabet and allow you to easily export them um, to a Excel spreadsheet, either to import into your AdWords account or to kind of reflect in your broader keyword strategy. So Uber suggests is a great tool for that. There's another tool that kind of builds upon that called Answer the Public. I've mentioned this quite a lot recently in podcasts because it's my current favorite new tool. So what that does, it takes a similar principle, which is mining the suggestions in Google to create keyword ideas, but does it using questions and prepositions. So that might allow it to be, you know, who does um, digital marketing? What is digital marketing? And all of those question related ones. So that's another very good tool as well. And finally, I recommend a tool that SEO Gadget, as they used to be known, now built visible, um, produced called the SEO Gadget um, Google AdWords plugin for Excel. 
So what that allows you to do is pull some of the data that we would be talking about from um, the keyword planner straight into Excel. So if you're kind of an Excel whiz, you can do things about grouping a keyword, you can do pivot tables, you can do all of that, but using the data that comes from the AdWords keyword planner. So hopefully that's given you a whistle-stop tour of keyword analysis, keyword research. Now, the key takeaway there is I like to think of them as, key, you know, I, I keep talking about keywords, but actually a better way of describing them, I think, is search queries. So here are people going to a search engine asking a question, and they want a response to that. They want an answer. Now, what you want to do is understand what those queries are, provide an answer for them, where in providing that answer, you help them buy your product or service. So if you want to be successful in paid search or natural search, you really need to invest time in keyword research, but you need to invest time on that regularly. One of the biggest mistakes I see in search marketing campaigns is that they do really good keyword research once. So they might work with someone for 12 months or it's a project where you've kind of, you've taken it on when you start your new job in-house, you carry out some keyword research in that first month, then you go off and sort of plow on with all the other aspects of SEO and digital marketing. Those patterns of behavior will change over time. And also you wanna make sure that you're actually responding to them. You'd be amazed the number of times I've seen some great keyword research carried out, but not followed through. So they've not made the changes to their website or they've made some of the changes to their websites to reflect those keywords, but not all of them. So by carrying out that keyword research regularly, it prompts you to reassess what you're doing. So the best campaigns will be those that understand the customers and understand the search engines. And one of the great ways to understand those customers is using keyword research. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. It's sitevisibility.com forward slash IM podcast for the show notes. Uh, we're on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you want to contact us, the email is podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. And the telephone hotline for questions and comments is plus four four one two seven three two five six one five zero. So that's all from me and Kelvin. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.